Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Long, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. A 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to an off-season locked-out special edition of the Platinum Sombrero brought to you by Sporks Drink and our friends at Symbol. With the rash, the, the latest stretch of fantastic fights that you've been seeing in the boxing world, you may be thinking, where do you want to put your money next? And a really smart better might take a look at this Jake Paul-Tyron Woodley 2 matchup. Now, obviously, Jake Paul is going to be a heavy favorite, and he probably should be. Tyron Woodley... Wasn't really great in mixed martial arts. Probably not going to be any good in boxing. Got beat up the first time. Probably going to see it happening a second time. But if you want to go in there, you want to try making a little bit of money, uh, you can start going onto mybookie.ag, who we'll talk about in a minute, or you can sponsor your favorite sports teams with Symbol. And this is what Symbol is really all about. Symbol is about buying your favorite sports teams or sports athletes across all of those favorite sports, just like stocks. And every time your team or your player wins... You win cash. It's pretty much a no-brainer. Go to Symbol right now. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts. When your teams and players win, all you have to do is to join the 7,000-plus early adopters is to visit www.simbull.com to create a free account, and when you make your deposit, use the promo code SD. And your first deposit is going to be risk-free. Just go to www.symbol.com, use that promo code SD, and your deposit's going to be risk-free. Free. That means even if you lose, Symbol's going to refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams today, as well as taking a look at my bookie. As we were mentioning about all the fights that are coming up, MyBookie has the best odds and prop bets for Paul and Woodley 2, and you can start by doubling your initial deposit all the way up to $1,000 using the promo code SPORTSDRINK. 
That's double the deposit, double the fun, double the funds, and double the excitement for Paul Woodley, too, at mybookie.ag. As much as we all would like to see him eat canvas, I never bet an MMA fighter to win a boxing match. Go there, put a little bit of money on that fight, and see what goes on. Don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using the promo code SPORTSDRINK. Head to mybookie.com today. Place your bets, mybookie.ag. Place your bets, fill your pockets, and watch the fight get settled. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Okay, now that we got the ad sets out of the way, Doc, hey. I feel like we've had nothing but craziness in the span of the last two weeks here, and I, I, I don't know where to begin. Very schizophrenic nature over the past couple weeks. You know, everything was just slow going, slow going, slow going. And then in the 72 hours or so leading up to the lockout, it was just absolute insanity. And ever since then, it's just been crickets. So um, the good news about that is with the, you know, with bipolarity, that's kind of how it works. So, you know, we we have a real manic phase on the on the back end of this uh, lockout coming up. But I got to say, it's been... Uh, it's been really interesting having an off season, knowing for a fact that there's going to be no news. It's it's almost kind of calming, you know. I'm checking Twitter less. I'm I'm very calm about the whole thing. I I kind of don't know what to do with my hands. If you guys have been following me around on Twitter, you know I've been putting out just weird, random. I'm bored trades to the public just because I'm bored. I'm going to do one every single day that the lockout continues. I think that this off season feels worse to me because I do know that it's locked out. And we're going to talk about that in just a second because that's obviously the main news. But I was expecting there to be some pretty big deals thrown around right leading up to the lockout. Guys are going to pay a little bit more to get some guys under contract because you don't know what's going to happen in the new CBA. But even expecting that, some of these deals just seem insane to me. The fact that Starling Marte, okay, Starling Marte, was amazing in 2021. And ever since he was still with Pittsburgh, he was somebody that, that I was really interested in the, the Braves uh, maybe acquiring someday. But at age 33, getting four years and $78 million for a guy whose legs are his biggest asset, that is a gamble. That is a gamble. And it kind of set the tone. Like the, that Black Friday uh, where the Mets got, uh, they also got Mark Canna. And uh, who else did they get that day, Dylan? Do you remember? Eduardo Escobar. Eduardo Escobar, that's right. And then, then of course, they went out and they got Max Scherzer. And uh, you're kind of starting to see, like, Steve Cohen's impact. It's not so much that he's spending money. It's that he's making everybody else spend money, too. So uh, so that's kind of interesting. I, I love the Max Scherzer deal because I think that uh, even, even if he can't afford it, uh, I think that is just a stupid amount of money to give to somebody who just the last time we saw him was... Um, his arm just died. Yeah, just like you. So you can't go. And look, we know Max Scherzer is a bulldog. We know that he's he's not the type of guy to just surrender the ball if he's not actually injured. Which, which that's the interesting part. Now it's like, oh, we're just gonna blow right past the AAV record by seven point three million dollars. We're giving a guy who, and we're gonna give it to a guy who's like ten years older than the guy who got the the last highest AAV AAV deal. So um and a guy that's been throwing two hundred plus innings every single season for like the last decade. Yeah. Like like there's you want to talk about tread on the tires. Those tires have been bald for the last four years and the Braves crush him anyway. Yeah. It's like I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah, so I mean it it was um when you when you started to see that the the Mets gave Marte the seventy eight million and then when the Rangers 
swooped in and gave Marcus Simeon $175 million, uh, that was the moment where I kind of stood up and took notice and said, oh my, th- this is not going to be the offseason that I thought it was going to be. And that, that continued for about, you know, 72 hours or so. Or maybe it was 48, I don't know. This seems, seems like forever ago. We saw the Mets throwing around those stupid, insanely expensive deals. I thought the Mark Canna deal was actually pretty good for them. Eduardo Escobar, we've seen him. He's able to do some things. He's pretty good. I wouldn't call him a leader or anything. But the Mets did get better. They're going to get better by the simple fact that now they have actual players that play the positions they'll be set at and not just a guy that you throw over there. I'm, I'm assuming Dom Smith and J.D. Davis, one or both of them, will be gone uh, once baseball resumes. My probably I would guess probably traded for bullpen help or another starter or something somewhere along those lines they'll get something done there. But I expected I expected Steve Cohen to throw around a lot of money and I expected some of these other teams too. What I did not expect was for somebody to give Corey Seager a larger deal than Francisco Lindor, like for the Texas Rangers. I knew they wanted to throw around a lot of money. Texas always wants to throw out money. And I figured they'd want to throw out a lot, especially since they they traded away Joey Gallo, who was kind of like the only person they had there for a while. But $325 million for a guy that cannot stay healthy at all in any single season, and a guy that more than likely, as he ages, is going to move over to third base and move off of short, there's talk that they could sign Trevor Story on top of that. Like... Help me understand. That, that to me, is the most insane signing I've ever seen. Well... Both in a vacuum and and the the full picture, you know what I mean. Seager, when he's when he's healthy, I mean, I feel like Corey Seager has been been beating up on the Braves, uh, particularly in the playoffs. I feel like he's been doing it for forever, but he just he can't stay healthy. So, giving somebody thirty two point five million dollars a year every single year, you just gave the guy a third of a billion dollars and there's no guarantees. I mean it's he's not quite Byron Buxton, but you know Byron Buxton only got he's only injured just a, he's injured just enough to not play enough games for you. Right. Like, well I mean he's gonna play about hundred and twenty to hundred and thirty a season. And and th- that is meaningful, but when you're somebody who's like is meant to be an offensive cog, somebody who's like playing a premium position and also occupying a gigantic place uh, on the payroll. I mean, look, in today's money, 32, uh, $32.5 million for one player is really not that much, but you you are expecting it to be a symbiotic relationship. You're not just giving the money away. You want the player to perform as well. And when he's healthy, he does perform. And, you know, Simeon being right next to him, $500 million for a middle infield, and then if you've got John, you put in John Gray, who they also signed, uh, is going to be playing the middle of the field right there. So, I mean, that right there, that is, that is an insane and talking amount about of money. Adding Trevor yeah. Story on top, and if of you that. add Story, so you know what, say he gets one hundred and fifty million or whatever, you know, then that you just spent seven hundred million dollars on four guys, and th- this goes back to a couple years ago. I remember you telling me that this was the worst argument I ever had. Was uh, when the uh, the Phillies signed Bryce, and you were worried that they were going to sign Trout. This was before the Angels locked him up, and I was like, "They can do that, but you're still allotting sixty million dollars to two players. You have to build a roster around that." But it's but this is a this is a real thing that Texas is going to be looking at because, like you said, for the longest time, Joey Gallo was all they had. 
well, that was only like three months ago that they traded him. They still kind of have nothing. You know, they ha they have three diamonds in, in next to like some cubic zirconia. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just really interesting that they're that they're throwing that much that much money at it, and that and this whole thing with the lockout being so there's so much nuance about the money and how it's being distributed and when it's being distributed that it's it's really interesting it's like okay we have got giant disagreements about this but oh we're gonna spend as an industry two billion dollars inside of 72 hours it's just i'm getting very mixed messages from from the owners on this it's almost like the owners are trying to show everybody that, no, look, see, we clearly will spend when we think the talent's there. But the Seeger thing, last part on the Seeger thing, because this, this one thing I could probably talk about for an hour, what I don't understand is giving him $325 million when you could have just given Carlos Correa 10 and $350. And like, Carlos Correa's hurt, too, a lot, but at least Carlos is the best defensive shortstop in baseball, and Corey Seager's a bad defensive shortstop, even when he's at his healthiest. If they're both going to be big... And they're both good hitters. Correa's a little bit better, especially in the postseason. And they're both going to be injured. Why wouldn't you take the guy who's also a premier shortstop? Like, I, I don't, I, I just, I don't understand. Unless their plan is to also try and lock up Kyle Seeger and just run out in a completely new infield. But outside of that, you're, you're right. They don't have a lot of other pieces. They got Adolis Garcia, but they have basically no pitching, and their farm system kind of sucks. They got Josh Jung coming up, maybe, but we'll see how that goes. But that to me was. That, that was insane to me. It makes me think that you're going to see Carlos Correa get up close to 350, 370. It's going to be... Carlos Correa's got a real shot to, to have the highest deal that we've ever seen. And I don't think Carlos Correa is a player who's worth that. I think Carlos Correa is an excellent player, but I don't think he's going to be worth nearly the type of money that he gets. And that's... Maybe things will be different. Maybe there's going to be a little bit of a... Kind of a, a notion between everybody like, hey, you had a chance to sign for these mega deals before the CBA was fully finished, you you decided to wait, so now we're not going to throw those crazy deals at you. Maybe that's a blessing in disguise, because the way it's working out so far is, for the Braves, you could be really punished for waiting on these deals, because the way that this money's being thrown around, you could tell me tomorrow that somebody's offering Freddie 7 and 230, and I really wouldn't be that surprised, seeing some of the numbers that have been thrown around right now. Uh, <laughs> that would be a very bad day to be an Atlanta Braves fan. If if somebody offers Freddie seven years and two hundred and thirty million dollars, and it's not the Braves, I really hope that he's smart enough to take it. Let me say two ten. I don't want to say two thirty. Let me say two ten. I mean, that's still crazy money. It's crazy money, and you know, if the the chatter was that the sticking point was the sixth year him getting seven, that's going to be one of those like similar to when Brian McCann went to the Yankees. Like, well. Thanks for the memories. Sorry about it, but they're going to pay you a lot more than we're willing to. And, uh, you know, you never want it to come to that. But there does come a point where it's like, look, you got to you gotta realize the, the ramifications of not bringing Freddie back and what that does to the fan base. But at the Especially if Marcelo Zuna does end yeah, up on the man. day Yeah, man. That yeah, that has the capacity to really blow up. At the same time, like independent of the Marcel thing, because yeah, that's that's a that's a really really bad look. But you, there does come a point where business does have to be in there, and Alex Anthopoulos is not going to just go throwing around Steve Cohen money, you know. 
um, just because Liberty has it to spend, you know, just cause, just cause I've got a million dollars in my pocket doesn't mean that I need to go spend all of it right now. You know what I mean? It's, uh, I, I want Freddie back as much as anybody. He's been one of my favorite baseball players for a decade. And, uh, but I, there does come a point where it's like, uh, uh, if he wants, if he wants to go sign with somebody else, there's nothing going to stop him. I know that he said he wants to stay, and I know Alex said he wants him to stay too, but, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work. So, and when, yeah, the Simeon deal was the one that I stood up and took notice and said, okay, well, I did not think Freddie's going to get anywhere near $200 million. Now I think it's almost um, a foregone conclusion that he's going to get that. But, you know, I I see see the chatter on Twitter sometimes of, uh, oh, it seems with every passing day, and this, this is independent of the lockout, uh, you know, with every passing day, it seems like he's gone. Well, based on what? You know what I mean? Because because you read some tweets from John Heyman that, oh, the Dodgers are interested, the Yankees are interested. Well, sure, but you can read that and, you know, you are the one, it's, it's all just flat. It's two-dimensional. You have to assign the emotion to it, you know what I mean? And you also have to take those in tandem with the tweets where, where it's like the same guys are saying, but everybody is still expecting him to wind up back in Atlanta. You know, anything that's leaking out is coming from from rival front offices. You can almost guarantee that there is that reciprocal argument between Alex and Freddie where it's like, go and you find out what you're worth. You let Brian Cashman tell you that you're not going to get as much money as you think you are because you don't believe me. But if somebody's willing to give you that, come back to us with it. We'll, we'll talk. You know, they. Alex is very smart. He is very, very smart. He has earned the benefit of the doubt in a lot of cases. And you never know what's going on behind the scenes. So, um, And that's not necessarily with uh, with Alex or with Freddie. It's also with Liberty and whoever else is uh, making decisions there. So there's a lot that goes into it. Again, I just... What, what do you think? Do you think that with, with every passing day, like let's say the, the lockout lasts until early March, does that hurt the Braves or does that benefit the Braves? That's a good question. It's hard to say without knowing how how negotiations are going to be once the new CBA comes out. I mean, it could come out and, and teams could start throwing around almost the exact same amount of money they were throwing out before the lockout. If that happens, then it obviously hurts the Braves because you're not supposed to, quote-unquote, be talking with people, wink, wink, nod, nod, but everybody is. Like, you're already, you're always sending out feelers. And I think I, I still maintain, I still believe Freddie will be an Atlanta Brave. I still don't see him leaving. I've told you before we started the show that the only serious contender I could see for Freddie would be the Angels and Perry Manazian because Perry, I, I bet you Perry knows better than anybody else what Alex's final number on Freddie would be. And Perry would know how to beat it. And if, if the Angels are looking to finally get into the postseason, I'm sure they're the Angels are generally willing to spend money. They just, before the last few years, have spent it in the wrong places. Obviously, they want to get Mike Trout into the postseason. They want to get Shohei Otani into the postseason. They've got a lot of pieces in place. Um, but they've, they've had some struggles with their drafting and with their pitching. And if they're able to go out there and uh, spend a lot of money to kind of speed this up a little bit, that would be a big feather in the cap for Perry, especially if he's able to get one of these bigger deals and it be one of those that actually works out. Then that could be something that defines Perry's tenure. It's his first shot at being a GM, so you're generally a little bit more aggressive than you would be otherwise. But that's the only guy I could see beating Freddie. And I, I don't know that the lockout really... I don't know that it actually helps or hurts the Braves unless... 
Freddie's sitting around for months with some resentment that the Braves didn't sign him before the lockout even happened. And I don't think Freddie's that type of guy. I don't think that helps or hurts at all. I think the thing that hurts more than that is just that the Braves have a lot of spots they have to try to fill in the offseason. It's not just Freddie. That could be another reason why we've seen it take a little bit of time. You've got to replace Rosario and Soler and Jock. We've already seen that Adam Duvall is coming back. Uh, Sean Newcomb, for some reason, is still on this roster. And we did lose Johan Camargo, Gabriel Rodriguez, in, uh, and Richard Rodriguez, actually, who was kind of a surprising non-tender to me. And Jaseel De La Cruz, who to me was the most unexpected uh, of the non-tenders, as well as re-signing Orlando Arcia to essentially just take the Camargo role. Signed Kirby Yates a year after trying to sign Kirby Yates. We'll talk about him, I'm sure. But for me, I was very shocked that they chose Sean Newcomb over to seal De La Cruz. Now, maybe Andy, uh, our friend Andy Harris uh, from Alfield Fly Rule, he was pointing out that uh, the Braves might have released him so that they could then sign him to a minor league deal. And that, that's certainly possible. But it just seemed very odd to me that they were willing to, that they were willing to choose Sean Newcomb over to seal De La Cruz. De La Cruz was awful this year and he was a big deal prospect you know he was he was on that same timeline with uh like with Mueller you know and and Davidson and it seemed like he was gonna be he was gonna get his shot too and uh he just has to be injury has got to be something that is that is worse than we know about and and if it's um something where they're they're hoping to bring him back on a minor league deal um that could be the key there I was I was kind of surprised about Newcomb but I don't I don't know I mean somebody who's Big, big body left. I mean, Sean Newcomb has been around forever, it seems like. I mean, it's been six years since he came into the organization. So everybody knows all the talking points about him and and knows that he's yo-yoed back and forth between uh, AAA and the majors for years and years. And uh, has ever since that no-hitter game, or the near no-hitter, he hasn't fully been able to put it together. So, uh, but, you know, he... He does touch 97, 98. He, he did have some instances, uh, some appearances earlier this year where he really just looked electric. So, but then when you're, when you're looking around at, you know, you got Will Smith, you got Tyler Matzik, you know, you got, you got a lot of lefties. You got AJ Mentor, you got a, left, a lot of lefties in that Braves bullpen. Humongous strength. So, um, no matter what, I mean, he's going to be like the, at, at the very best case scenario, uh, that he's going to be the fourth best lefty in the bullpen out there. So I, I don't know what they're planning to do with him. That was kind of surprising. Um, Mike Soroka got tendered. I know that, that there had been some questions about whether or not uh, he would come back. And it's it's interesting. By the, by the time that he finally gets back on a mound again, he will have thrown 13 innings in three seasons. And I love Mike Soroka too. But if this was a Mets prospect or if this was like a Phillies prospect or something, we would probably be ridiculing the fact that they threw money at somebody who, who just doesn't play. So uh, best of luck to Mike. God knows we have, we have been waiting for him to come back for a very, very long time. So I'm glad that um, the next time he is on a mound that he will have a tomahawk across his chest. I just hope that they that they go easier on him this time. I'm still going to maintain that the Braves are are pretty. I don't want to say that they're to blame, but they're certainly a big factor in my opinion in why his Achilles tore a second time. Uh, to have him out on the mound in spring training seemed way too fast to me, even at the time. And I I sent a text to you about that. That just like the Achilles is one of those, especially when you rupture on your plant leg, 
where it's like, you know, that they tell you about a year for a reason on that one. Come back like six to seven months later. That's very fast, man. And for a pitcher, there, there's there's maybe thoracic outlet is probably the one thing that's worse to have than an Achilles. But man, I, I just didn't understand why they were pushing it when they didn't really need to. And I feel like they really kind of screwed themselves over on it and it hurt Mike. Now, that said, I've heard nothing but good reports on Soroka. So hopefully it was more of an instance of it wasn't fully healed and rather than being a second full tear. It was more of a, it wasn't all the way healed before and it just kind of retore. Uh, so you can still kind of treat it as one tear rather than two separate. But there is going to be a question. And even before the Achilles, there were question marks on what Soroka would ultimately settle in at. He wasn't really, he, he'd kind of pitched above his numbers, his metrics, his first season and a half, really. So I was already expecting some regression. Now, does this mean that he goes from being a two that's in the three spot to, to being, you know, maybe a, a five hole guy and losing some velocity. I don't know. I do have confidence that Soroka will find a way to be able to be effective no matter how he has to pitch. Uh, but it is fair to wonder, is it going to be kind of a Brandon Beachy situation where it just saps too much of the leg drive? I, I just, I hope they give him way more time than he needs. And, and that's the same thing that I felt about Acuna this whole time is, uh, and and you and I have obviously talked about this before, but just if he's meant to be your franchise guy, then treat him as such and wrap him in bubble wrap. Do not bring him back before you absolutely have to give him a year. Would it suck for us to to uh, miss Ronald Acuna for four months during the regular season if they want to wait to bring him back till after the All Star break? Yeah, it really would. You know, it would suck worse than that. Uh, his career being over after twenty twenty four because the the Braves just rush him back. You know what I mean? Like for real. Like for real. You can't, We've talked about yeah. him a number of times, by the way. We've yeah. talked a number of times about him being King Griffey Jr. Right. Do not make that same mistake. Yeah, and Griffey was still able to put together a really, really solid career. He hit six hundred and thirty home runs. You know, he he was still was um he was just injured enough to not be the greatest of all time. You know, and Acuna is He's not injury prone. He's just he's so aggressive with the way that he plays that he he winds up getting a lot of those nagging injuries, like the the abdomen thing that happened when he dove it back into yep. first base earlier this year. You know what I mean? And so he, I wonder he's not gonna probably ever learn to take it easy. I just hope that uh, that, that with the rehab he's doing, and and all signs point to his legs being stronger when he gets back, and that, and that's a that's a really good thing. He needs that. So it's just you know you can't outrun the body sometimes you just have to give your body time and Soroka just always seemed so primed and ready like he was just going to be this workhorse guy that would never get hurt because he's just got that thick lower half from playing hockey and you know it's you just got to be careful with these guys even though they're superhumans and we, we see them as just being these absolutely elite guys and it's like oh you know he he was like Wolverine yeah but he's not Wolverine he's a dude he's just a regular dude right. you know it feels like we dodged so many bullets yeah. with Acuña injuries in the past and yeah. we were bound to get one that was for real yeah. like i i was i was 100% convinced that he shredded his knee all the way back it wasn't 2018 with that red sox oh yeah that was like, ugly I was, I was sure that he just that he'd blown up his knee and he dodged and was only out for like a couple of days or a week. I mean, the abdomen one, he was kind of in and out of the lineup for a while. That's just kind of how he is and how he plays. There's a lot of aggression 
in the way he plays baseball. It's very Kevin Kiermeyer-esque, and also young Ken Griffey Jr.-esque. I'm going to keep bringing him up because it's a very apt comparison where he's doing things that other players can't do. But because of that, it's things that his body's not really supposed to do either. And it does kind of pay. You do kind of pay for it. Troy Tulowitzki is another good example. Especially if you don't really realize how good of a defender Troy Tulowitzki was, you won't really understand So you kind of go back and take a look at his numbers. That's you, you got to kind of be a measured force against Ronald because he's so aggressive. You, you can't just coach everybody the exact same way. You always want to err on the side of aggression unless your aggression is insane. But we can't spend a ton of time talking about that. We do have kind of a, a, a time limit for today's episode. Yes, Rakes, haha, I said it. Congratulations, you get to laugh a little bit. Um, but I do want to mention signing Kirby Yates, that could be a very, very good deal, especially since you let Richard Rodriguez walk, which was something I didn't really expect. I thought they would at least hold on to him and see if they could manage to figure out a slider grip that's not reliant on maybe some enhanced stickiness um, because we've seen how effective Richard Rodriguez could be before. And now you've essentially, the, the deal that you gave the most players up for, you essentially just allowed to turn into a, a, a basically nothing because since Richard Rodriguez was never even in the playoffs. Um, Kirby Yates is a guy that if he's healthy, is an outstanding reliever. This is a guy that the Braves tried to sign last year and he failed his physical. They ended up going to uh, Toronto and pretty much immediately tearing his knee up. Was it, was it his knee or was it Tommy John? Might have been Tommy John. Uh, Tommy John, that's what it was. Um, tore up his elbow. And now that he looks like he's going to be back, the Braves signed him for multiple years. So they can be very, very careful this year. I wouldn't expect to see him until July, if that. Um, but that's good because it's only a million dollars this year and it's $5 million next year. So they, they structured it in a way that they could afford to keep him through the rehab year. Whatever you get from him out of 2022 is you know whatever. But it sets you up for 2023. And it gives you somebody that, I don't know, let's say Will Smith kind of continues down the path that he's been outside of the postseason. You find somebody to, to take his money off your hands. Now you have somebody in Kirby Yates who can kind of step right in. You still have Indigo Diaz in the minors. You still have a few guys in the minors who look like Brooks Wilson, uh, William Woods, even though they're trying to start him for as long as possible. There's a few guys, Dylan Spain comes to mind, that could be very, very quick risers in that bullpen. Freddie Tarnock looks like he's knocking down the door as well. So the Braves have options there. I just, I really like Kirby Yates, and I thought that was a very good signing. I thought so too. Um Good for you on the Dylan Spain call. Uh, so in 20, uh, you know, he didn't pitch in 2021. And in 2020, the shortened season, he only had six appearances. But in 2019, 119 ERA, 130 FIP, 14.98 strikeouts per nine. That's 101 strikeouts in 60 and two-thirds innings. And uh, let's see, what's the number here? 13 walks against 101 strikeouts. This is a reliever who was worth 3.4 war. So, granted, the the um, Tommy John he had was his second one. The first one was in, like, God, 2006. Long, long time ago. And it's nowhere near the death sentence it used to be. So, uh, very highly sought after. It's not ridiculous to say that he was the, the uh, best reliever in baseball in 2019. 41 saves, if you're a saves guy, uh, that year. Um, but, yeah, I mean... This is a really it's interesting signing, and I, I like the fact that they went back to the well. They obviously saw something in him last year uh, that they, that they wanted to um, that they wanted to capitalize on, and for for bringing him back now. Like you said, it's, it'll be a while before we see him. Let him let him recover. Let him get all the way back there, and he he won't be as sharp as he once was. But uh, I can't imagine that he would be less effective than Rich Rodriguez was over the last month. 
you know. So in speaking of effectiveness, one thing that is very effective has been proven is to mention our sponsors the midway portion of our episodes as well. And then we're just gonna bring back up Symbol, who you should be using. It's a lot of fun, just like you would play uh it's almost like fantasy, but you just go and buy stocks of your favorite teams and players. Uh, also, our friends at Spotify Greenroom. If you haven't been using Spotify Greenroom, now would be a good time to do so. Now that everybody's locked out, it's good to hear some baseball voices. And there's no better place to do that than the Spotify Greenroom app. Just download on the iTunes or uh, Google Play Store right now. It's free to use. Sign up, link your Twitter or whatever, and get in and feel like you're part of the Braves country or whatever fandom you're looking to join. You can find it on Spotify Greenroom. Moving on, because I do want to get to some of the fun stuff today. Um, might have to cut some of it. We're going to have to, in coming weeks, we're going to start opening a bracket for the best uniforms in baseball, which I'm actually really excited about doing. Yeah, me too. Um, but one of the things we've talked about the free agent signing bonanza. Uh, I kind of like this idea that we could set in a deadline for like off season talk or for off season signings. I feel like it would be kind of a race to the finish you'd see some more money kind of instituted maybe have a dead period almost like they do in college football recruiting where you have an early signing period and a late signing period with no you're not allowed to talk in between maybe set up somewhere where you can go through the end of november for an early signing and then you're not allowed to sign again until maybe the start of february maybe you have to take december and january off i think that's something that's kind of cool to consider um I just think that it, it was kind of cool to have that little bonanza. That's something that baseball has been trying to do for years. That's kind of the trade deadline thing. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be this type of money thrown around all the time, but it is. That is kind of one area where I I would be very, I, I would be very intrigued to hear them talk and discuss something like that. It's not something that I would have considered before, but I think I've softened on that. Well, you could you could segment it, right? Like you have uh, the first two months, yeah, or you know, you can sign in November, and then because you've got the uh, the winter meetings in December, that's for trades, and then you can sign in January, and then you can only make trades in February or whatever. Um, it's having it segmented like that. Um, the last example I gave is preposterous, and I, I don't recommend that. But but like having the deadline, making it event, you know, making it like. As soon as NBA free agency opens, it's like, bam, 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 bam. No, we, we just worked this deal out. We weren't talking before the deadline, I swear. Um, and and the, the international signing day, you know, it's, those are, they're nice, they're tidy. You get all your news in one afternoon, and then you don't have to just obsess over it, you know. And, you know, baseball moves at different speeds than other sports. That's why it's not for the faint of heart. You know what I mean? It's like watching chess with real people sometimes. So, it's uh, to get that level of excitement and and seeing that money thrown around. It was you know, it was fun. You know, like most of the time the off season is it's nice to to recharge and kind of step away from the game a little bit. You know, because being a content creator is awesome for a lot of reasons, but it's also a lot of work. You know, we 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 both read a lot. We we both you know um, we have outlasted a lot of a lot of podcasts uh, because we've been willing to put in a lot of the work sometimes, but it does take doing the work. And uh, sometimes you just want to not, sometimes you just want to relax. And it, it, that's, and that's true of, of, of a lot of people that, uh, that either write or do podcasts or, or do this, anything involving this as a hobby. So um, for the guys that are spending, you know, that do this for a full-time job and don't just, uh, don't just do it as a hobby. I'm sure it'd be nice for them too, to be able to um, not have to be on alert 24 seven so we'll we'll see. We talked a lot about how uh, how did the 2020 season and some of the things that happened during that 
as weird as it was, uh, will any of that be instituted moving forward? Uh, because it's like we got forced into seeing whether or not this is a good idea. And it's like, huh, maybe, maybe there's something to this. So this could be a similar thing uh, to that. But I, you know, if it happened, that would be, it would be one of the smarter thing, Rob, smarter things Rob Manfred ever did during his tenure. I'll tell you that. Well, speaking of Rob Manfred, I think this is a good spot to kind of use it for our closing segment today. With the CBA, now that everything's in lockout, we understand that these are going to be very contentious talks. Uh, so let's play a little game to lighten the mood a little bit. And everybody at home, y'all play along as well. Um, first, before we get into our, our guessing the date of the new CBA, are there any rules that you in particular, outside of, of obvious ones like the universal DH, are there any other rules outstanding that you think could or will be instituted in the CBA? Um, I don't even know if this would be something that would be covered in the, in the CBA, but I kind of like the idea of reformatting the schedule a little bit. Not necessarily the number of games, uh, but just kind of the... Just the nature of it. I, I not. I understand that you've got to play your division rivals nineteen times, and, and and you should be playing those guys a lot of times. But like, it seems like in recent years, the way that it's been, like we play the Phillies nine times in April, and then don't see them again till late August, where we play them like twelve games in a row, or or ten games in a row, or whatever the case may be. And you know the way that they've got the rotating uh, divisions for interleague play, it's interesting, but it's not nearly as logical. Like I almost kind of kind of liked having a second set of division rivals uh like the AL East should be you know they're they do some of the home and away series sometimes with that I don't know I, I just feel like there's there's better ways to uh increase the scope of the game you know what's the last time that the Braves got the chance to see Mike Trout you know right and, the, and thanks to this stupid lockout we might miss him again which is just going to make me very very angry but I think I don't know, I, I don't like this, but I do think that you're going to see expanded playoffs in here. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see a reduction in the amount of regular season games. Um, maybe you see the season kind of fall to a 150-game schedule. Uh, and then maybe, yeah, I would say 150, and then you'll see another, I think you'll see another couple of teams in the postseason, uh, as well as this idea of changing the wild card rounds to three-game rounds. Uh, there was the idea of the of the number one, the division winners, getting to pick who they play or something like that in, in terms of how their record shakes out. I don't think you'll see that. That gets pretty hairy. But I do think you'll see an expanded postseason with the top seeds in each uh, in each conference getting buys. Um, but I do think – I think expanded playoffs is here. And I think that the, the amount of increased revenue, I think they're trying to force teams to try to win a little bit more, which I do like. I still maintain that – I don't think you will see this, but you should see a reverse draft order for non-playoff teams as an incentivized structure to make it to where you try to win, uh, whether that means spending money or you know, making good big trades either way. As apparently Gucci doesn't agree with me, um, but that's okay. Uh, I do think you'll see something kind of geared towards trying to force teams to win. But expanded playoffs is something that I don't agree with it. I think that that's one of the things that baseball has over the other sports is that you don't have half the league get in. But money talks at the end of the day, and it's going to be here to stay. I do kind of like the idea of uh, teams that can that can pick their opponents, not necessarily because I think that's like some novel idea or, or that I think that it's like, I think that from the perspective of the team that gets disrespected, you know, where it's like, you know, the the 
Braves win the division, they say, oh, well, you know, we, we want to play the Reds in the playoffs. Well, if I'm the Reds, then I am furious and feeling disrespected, and you play with a, with a bit of a chip on your shoulder, right? So the reason why I think I really like that is because I want to know in 20 years the teams that were chosen to be, like, the weak link, I want to know what their record is in, in the wild card game against, like, the really good team that chose that they wanted to play them. I think that's that's certainly very cool. Um I don't know. I just kind of have a problem with saying, "Oh, well, I'm going to pick who I play." I don't know. I don't know how that's going to shake out. I think it'd be kind of weird. I almost wouldn't mind random draws at that point. But my final question for you today. This is going to be something for our vault. Let's take some guesses here on the date of the new CBA, when it gets signed, and our our prize is a week off from editing, which means that essentially that means you get a month off from editing mm, the show. Mm. Uh, so, nice big prize. Uh, using prices Right rules with one caveat. Okay. You can, you cannot bet a dollar more than your opponent. <laughs> it has, to be, it has okay. to be actually a different number. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? No, you go first. The new CBA will be signed on... February the 26th. That's actually very close to what I was going to say. You, dude, you, you uh, just said you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to say... Huh, I'm going to say January 23rd. Okay. Do you think... I'll, I'll go ahead and be the early one. Bonus question, also for the vault... Do we lose any games of the regular season, and if so, how many? Do do you think that there that that's enough time to uh, to adhere to all spring training and regular scheduling? Do you think that that they push it back? So I do think that you lose games, and I think you lose about twelve games. So I think you're going to get to that 150 game marker, and I think that's going to be because that's what they're going to look to set the number at. So I think that this would be a good opportunity if it does take them a long time. Uh, Basically, you would take out March for any regular season games. I would assume that means moving to maybe the second week in April for the start of the full season, maybe the third week in April. Uh, so I, I, I think uh, I think you will see a little bit of games lost because you do need to have a nice ramp-up period. We saw what happened in 2020 with the amount of soft tissue injuries, and this year, actually. Uh, a year coming off a year of only playing 60 games where there were a lot of soft tissue injuries that you don't normally see. So I do think you'll see them push the start of the season back just a little bit. But I think they'll coincide it with uh, with one of the newer rules, kind of cutting down the number of regular season games. Yeah, I, I kind of am inclined to agree that uh, if there are any games that, that get pulled off of, off of this uh, this season, then it will be kind of what I was just talking about with, you know, you get to the the end of the situation and say, huh, maybe, maybe this wasn't so bad after all. I mean, there have been people that wanted to take it back to 154 for a long time. I think that this year that they're able to get in like around about 135, which is still five sixth of a season, you know, and when you get to, you're kind of getting to the point where you got to Consider, like, for the guys that are going to get into the, the Hall of Fame, like, the counting stats. Like, when people look at Fred McGriff 
And they say, well, he didn't get to 500 home runs. He had 493. Well, he also got robbed of the end of the 1994 season, during which he would have had seven weeks to hit seven home runs to get to 500, you know? So and that's a bit a big reason why I think he didn't get in there. I mean, he's a, he was a first baseman primarily, and there's different criteria for first baseman. But um, when, you're, when you're looking at what's going on now, and it's like, okay, well, in 2020, they played 60 games, and in 2022, maybe they'll play 135, 150, whatever the case may be. Uh, will there be another work stoppage in 2026? Shoot me. Um, I'm sure there will be. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so there, there's, a, there's a lot to consider there. But when you start thinking about the soft tissue injuries, you think about the wear and tear. And even if it's um, – if they were to cut six games off the season, where I kind of liked the minor league format this year where Mondays were off. You know, it was – and it's kind of similar to how it is now where it's like everybody – both the players and their families and the fans, the writers, the broadcasters, everybody just gets a day. On Monday, there will be like one game, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, And you could rotate it like that. But if you were to do, even if you cut one game a month, you know, and, and build in an extra off day, or you try and build it into where you've got like one given off day every week, and you've got doubleheader every week. I know they're not going to do the seven-inning doubleheaders, which they were doing. And truthfully, I thought it was going to drive me crazy. It didn't bother me at all. Um, I don't know. I, and I'm just going back to the I'm, – I'm trying to force my um, my thing that I was saying before about reformatting the schedule. I had left some things off, so I wanted to come back to that point. <laughs> well, that'll be something that we can uh, put on the docket for the next couple of shows to give us some off-season content looking out, as well as some more guesswork we'll have to do, as well as starting our – jersey brackets but for now we are going to go ahead and call it a day for this week's episode of the platinum sombrero thank you guys stay strong and we'll get through this lockout together right here on the platinum sombrero oh two on the way chopper out to dansby dansby throws to first base is this happening it is the atlanta braves are world champions Thanks, bye.